Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash genre. Over 180,000 titles to choose from from your iPhone, Android, or Kindle. That's audibletrial.com forward slash G-E-N-R-E. Weirdo Bookworms, unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hi, genre junkies. This is Sandra. And this is Scott. And welcome to another episode. Sci-fi week, and Mm -hmm. I am super stoked. This is sci-fi, but this is sci-fi that is also a little genre bending. Horrifying a little bit? There's a bit of horror. There's... um, a bit of uh, mystery thriller. There's a little bit of police procedural. Yeah, it, it really is um, very interesting uh, sci-fi, but yet multi-genre read. And the book, of course, that we're talking about is The Gone World. The Gone World by Tom Sweaterlich. And I <laughs> look at it and I always just want to say Gone Girl. It, it's actually, Gone Girl. I, I agree. And is it kind of a similar cover color scheme uh, or anything like that? Or is it just... Not really, because the cover of Gone Girl is um, all black matte with just like a wisp of hair. Oh, that's right. But that's this right. has like a wispy snow and branches situation. There's another book that this reminds me of that I can't think of what it is. Well, a it's... lot of mystery thrillers have branches on the cover. It's, it's kind, of, kind a, of a thing. Yeah, it's kind of a joke. This one is like, it's so like matte and creamy. I just love to touch it and it is a pr- it is a pretty cover actually and it's like a cool almost looks like typeface text mm-hmm. on the side i know you read this on kindle a little bit of both actually yeah, i read this in the hard copy it's not a super good looking book without the cover on well i mean it's black it's like dark blue and silver prettier with the with the jacket on though i must say it's it's a it, it's a nice looking book hey so we actually do have a little bit of something you can share in the round table this week yes we both went and saw the lodge let's do talk about the lodge which was a movie that i did not know much about like i knew the premise of a lady is stuck with some kids snowed in at a lodge um <laughs> and i was like okay and i kind of saw some stuff from it and i was like oh, it looks like ghosty or something and i'm like that's cool like i mean it seemed like something i would watch at some point but not that i was like clamoring to go out and see and um then emma my spooky slumberette over on the spooky slumber party saw it and she was like guys i just saw it and you have to see it like stop what you're doing and go watch it right now and it's a limited release so it's a little hard to find but oh my god God, is it worth it? It's worth it. If you can see it in theaters, do it for the sound design alone. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's very important. I mean, I the the actual levels that the sound is mixed at is very important to my experience of it anyway. Mm. It is so good. It is so good. It is so good. It's that good level of horror that we talk about in, well, especially books around here, but books and movies and TV, where it just makes you feel 
every emotion. It just makes you feel everything. And it's like one of those amazing reminders of like, oh my god, I love this genre so much. Horror is freaking amazing. Um, Did not disappoint. And in fact, we're actually going to be on, well, <laughs> so meta, it's so weird. We, are, we, the genre junkies, are going to be on an episode of Spooky Slumber Party talking about this movie. Now, of course, we say, well, I'm saying it's meta. It's strange because I'm already on Spooky Slumber Party. Yeah. So it's like, just Scott's a guest. Yes, <laughs> kind of a surprise guest. Yeah, kind of just popped in and was like, I can't not talk about this movie. So he like shoved people out of the way. He's like, let me let me get in there. So yeah, we're based. I'm basically going to tell you the same thing that Emma told us. You have to go see it. You have to go have see to. it. And uh, that episode, it'll be like plenty of warnings in it on Spooky Slumber Party, which we know you listen to as well, besides this show, um, because uh, it, it, you can't really talk about this movie without spoiling it. And you should go in as blind as possible about this. So like, we don't want to say too, too much either. But um, I told my cult show family to go see it. I am just I am just spreading the gospel of the lodge. And so is Scott over the phenomenal. So phenomenal. So tonight, as we have teased, we will be talking about the gone world. And of course, this first half of the discussion is spoiler free. And then we'll get into the nitty gritty in the second half. So the gone world by Tom Sweaterlich. Special agent Shannon Moss is assigned to solve the murder of a Navy SEALs family and to locate his vanished teenage daughter. Though she can't share the information with conventional law enforcement, Moss discovers that the missing SEAL was an astronaut aboard the spaceship USS Libra, a secret ship commissioned by the U.S. government, now assumed lost to the darkest currents of deep time. Moss knows firsthand the trauma of time travel and believes the SEAL's experience with the future has triggered this violence. I'm going to leave it at that. I read about half of the jacket of this book before putting it down saying, okay, this is our next book. I want to read this. Yeah. Now you can absolutely read the whole of the jacket and there's still going to be plenty going on. Oh, yeah. But that's just kind of to give you just an idea of what you're getting into with this book. It was also blurbed on the back by Blake Crouch, who we love, and Sylvain Nouvelle, a new author that, well, new to us author that we love too. So it was kind of like, oh my gosh, this is awesome praise for this book. Like, ooh, ooh. And on the fact, oh, actually on the front, Blake Crouch blurbed it as well. I promise you have never read a story like this. I would agree with you, Blake Crouch. <laughs> I, I would agree with I you. I would agree with you as well, Blake Crouch. I think I think it's it's appropriate that Blake Crouch has blurbed both the back and the front of this book. Yes. I think that uh, this is in his wheelhouse, let's just say. Yes. This is, well, I mean, we already know Deep Time is mentioned in that. There's already something going on here with that uh, physics, dark matter, recursion situation. Mm -hmm. So that's already like, that physics stuff is where Scott and I's sci-fi interests really overlap. 
as you can tell, like last year, both of our favorite book was Recursion. And it's the same kind of thing. Like we love that. We love to discuss it and we love to theorize it and dissect it. it it's so fascinating to, to both of us. So I'm going to start with my experience of this book, and I need you to bear with me on this because it's a little bit of a journey. Oh, geez. This, I actually am going to classify as a struggle, (gasps) but in a a good way. It's the kind of book that I want to be challenging, that I want to be a little bit more difficult to get through. There's a lot of stuff in this book that's that's very... um, very hard science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff is not even theoretical. It is fantastical, sure. but it is, but in a way that it's still explained like it is kind of a real science. And there's a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of branching around that. I feel like I need string and you know <gasps> pictures okay. and everything. Yes. And put it up on the wall to figure out where everything is. Um, this is this book is written in five different parts. Is that about right? Five different parts, I think. And. I I read this separating those five parts, like taking a break in between those parts, because each part kind of introduced its own complications to my thought process on this book. And, you know, I, of course, reading it on a little bit of a timeline, I didn't have as much of, I didn't have as much freedom to take those breaks as I would have wanted to, um, which kind of contributed to that. It, it's, a, it's a difficult book to get through in a very good, good, exciting, stressful way. So that's kind of a misleading thing, though, to say it's a struggle. Again, experience score has nothing to do with good, bad, or indifferent. It's just, this is... I mean, it's like one of those things where it's both a struggle and an obsession. Okay, well, okay. Put it a little bit more into just a cleaner term for everybody. Did you like this book? Yes. Did you love this book? Yes. Okay, now I think we can all understand you saying struggle then, but you loved it. Because I think a lot of us, I mean, and we've, like you said, it doesn't mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that, but I think a lot of us out there, when they hear our score, struggle denotes bad, mal. I don't agree with that. That's not how we've written our scoring system. So you're saying take another look at it, everybody. Yeah, take another look at it. Anyway, a struggle, but you loved it. You loved the struggle. Very much so. Okay, so for me, this was definitely a page turner. Um, Loved this book. I thought it was beyond fantastic. And yeah, there's like you said, like there's stuff that's like more made up or whatever. But a lot of it is, you know, that things we we kind of know to be true about the idea of deep time travel. Um, And it was it was like like Crouch's books in the sense that I felt things were pretty well explained and like um didn't feel too horrifyingly complicated to read um felt approachable some of the paragraphs I found myself rereading because I was like either this is crazy or like I need to try to understand this somewhere between those two extremes um and, and for a book that's like I think it's 379 pages. So it's not like technically a very long book. It's quite dense. Yeah, it's not a long book, but it does. I mean, I think I think it probably took me like six, seven hours to read it, which is a long time for that length of book for me. 
And and like I really just didn't want to rush it because I was enjoying the story. I was enjoying the mystery. I was enjoying Shannon Moss so much. I think it says here somewhere in the blurb, you get like true detective vibes off of this. You get you get um Clary Starling, Silence in the Lambs vibes. And then she's an NCIS agent. So if you've ever watched like that TV show, you There's get, a little like, bit of that in there. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, just all this different stuff but it's not like that it's totally its own thing at the same time and a lot of the book takes place in the 90s which was really cool the the fact that it takes place in the 90s is really smart because it gives a lot of room for its story there's a lot of things that that you know are locked in and we know what happened in the 90s and then there's room for interpretation for later based on things that you already are coming to the book with knowledge of yeah um, I would say this is very much a recursion meets annihilation. Um, I got oh, very it's not. Str- it's not as weird as annihilation, though. It gets it gets almost as weird as annihilation, except no. the difference between this and annihilation uh-huh. is there's a reason. Ah! There's a point okay. to this one. Okay, we can't we can't go off onto a southern reach. I, I'm not saying I'm not saying this Bird as sh- I, I know I'm not saying this as shade to annihilation. I'm just saying like annihilation is kind of the, the point of it is is it's creepy and mysterious for the sake of both of those things. Whereas this is creepy and mysterious, but there is a underlying logic to why everything is happening mm-hmm. that um really worked for me. There's also some X Files references that really worked for quite me. a few and some kind of um. Some of the characters kind of code name things after Norse Viking mythology. And I totally dug that too. Because that's a, I mean, I, I love every pantheon of mythology. But um, Norse is one that I know pretty well. So I was pretty excited when some of those terms started to pop up. And it's weird because it's like, it's 1997. So there's a lot of the stuff that it's like, they can't just Google it. You know, they have to like, I mean, they, they'd have to like look into like certain cagey areas of the internet or addiction or somebody that's like that sounds like a whatever word now we have to go contact an expert on that term like you know there's like a lot of the crutches are removed from this police procedural being that it takes place in the 90s yeah which serves a purpose even stronger when we start talking about deep time and what all of that means in this book because it it makes um the current time uh more more relatable and actually makes some of the other things that happen also kind of understandable in a way that's not too unbelievable. Right, because it's like, we are to the futuristic stuff as the 1997 people are to our present time. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I appreciate how Tom, as an author, just has a lot of respect for his audience. And I don't know, I just felt that way, like that he was really like, they're going to get this and they're going to understand. And we're going to get into some crazy stuff. But I, I totally trust you. You're a smart audience. Yes. But yeah, but didn't make you feel like you're not smart enough to understand because it's like some of this stuff is huge concept stuff. And though I love it and I'm super interested in all of this, I barely scratch the surface of understanding it. I mean, I will say in in regards to this, like 
part of this book is very dense for I feel two reasons. One, it is a police procedural, so there is a lot of that involved in it that that just you're trying to figure things out along with the main character. The other thing is is that the the science fiction part of it um again like all of the the science that is how these things are happening is fake. It's 100% it's it's 100% fake. It, it's fantastical, but it's consistent to itself and a lot of and and the science that you need to know is explained to you yes totally in in a way that that doesn't it doesn't oversimplify it either it is actually pretty complex yeah which is what my favorite thing about it yeah um and then whenever you're dealing with time it can get very complicated and you know you have to kind of figure out where everything connects and and what what's changed and where things are going Mm -hmm. and this has a lot of that yeah it has a ton of that so just to wrap up uh, a couple more points first of all in case we haven't convinced you to read this book um (laughs) Let me say that the mystery part of it and the horror part of it is what allows me to think of this for even a wider audience. There is some wonderful horror imagery and some great depictions of gore, Mm -hmm. but there's also that mystery thriller part of it where it's like something's happened, a crime has been committed, you know, we're kind of saying that interchangeable with police procedural. And those things are really fun to follow. Part of what really makes it a page turner and um, really opens up the audience to me. So I'm going to say this is a pretty general appeal book. Um, I, I feel like a lot of different readers from a lot of different backgrounds could have a great time exploring this book. I agree wholeheartedly with the general appeal. I, I was kind of bouncing between general and broad, but the the actual time travel portion of it is meaty. And if you don't, I feel like if you're if you don't if you're not coming into this with a a little bit of a um of a love of time travel complications, then this this is not a great place to jump in. Something like recursion might be a better entry point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. This is great for horror fans. This is great for mystery fans, and it's yeah. fantastic for science fiction. Like I I think that somebody could make the argument for it to be broad, and I'd be like, that's fine. Certainly, too. yeah. I just think that um, there'd be more success with people liking the book, talking about it in general terms. But I think broad, it still stands a pretty good chance oh, yeah. <laughs> of, of being a really well-received and loved book. So without further ado... Let's talk spoilers. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. All right, so here we are. We're in the spoiler section. You've read this book. You loved this book? Or you just are like, f*** this book. Talk to me about spoilers. <laughs> yeah, or, or like, why did these two love this book so much? I have to hear what they saw in it that I didn't. <laughs> I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, this book yeah. is good, y'all. Yeah, this book is good, people. Um, there is so much that I like about this book. There is so, so, so much of it that I like about it. 
Um, but I think at the end of the day, if nothing else, I would probably read anything about Shannon Moss. I love Shannon Moss. She is just such a great character. She's a badass. And like, you know, there's like weird ways you connect with characters sometimes. And there's her catchphrase, her mantra, she says, that is one of my personal phrases as well, which is someone else would quit. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I say, Shannon Moss. So it was like, yes, yes, girl, yes. I was just pounding on the yes button. And what an appropriate book that we read um, that right after, well, when this episode goes live, it'll just been International Women's Day. And what a great female heroine to root for. Um, So talk about diversity too. Shannon is an amputee she uses a prosthesis yes and first of all she has kind of a really cool prosthesis because it's like a futuristic model it's a little bit a little uh but i mean you know shannon she could get by with like anything or nothing like she's such a badass but it makes it kind of cool that she's it it gives it another tiny little element to sci-fi and really it's not like it gives her bionic powers or anything it's basically water resistant (laughs) No, actually, hers isn't even water resistant. If you oh, remember, yeah, that's hers right. is not. It's just it's um it is electronic. Yes, so it does have some some electronic servos in it. But there's almost other... like a hydraulics yeah. kind of feel is kind of the way I was picturing it when it was described. But there's other parts of the book where she's using the spring loaded model. There's yep. parts of the book where she does not have access to one at right. all. It's not like this is solving all her problems of being an amputee. No, no not at all. It's just kind of it's just kind of a cool model. Yeah. Kind of I... better living through science yeah. maybe. And what I appreciate about that in the book is is one um having her having her lose a limb at the very beginning of the yes. book it sets up a it sets up it sets you up as the reader to know hey uh nothing is precious anyone can be injured anyone can die yeah but the the second part that i appreciate is is it's not just like a character trait that's kind of mentioned and then is you know never really sure and it's also not something that it's relied on as the main crutch of her character it's no. just yeah it's just a part of her character and it's important to who she is, how she goes about the world and how she how she sees other people and her interacts with other people. Yeah. It's very believable. I would be really interested to hear an own voice's take on um Shannon because from a from two people that have use of both of their legs, well, all four if you put us together, um I felt like it was really cool. And yeah, like not like you're supposed to pity her, not like she becomes a superhero, but just somewhere in between that just like anything that makes somebody someone you care about and have a lot of compassion for yeah i don't know so i'd love to hear their take on mm-hmm. it but i i lean towards this is good rep i felt very happy with her as a character that was a strong part of it but not not the the main focus of her character yeah. she's just such a strong person oh, while yeah. still being very um human yeah and like she cries and she gets upset and like she's bothered by things and it's like yeah that's fine and like you know sometimes she calls her boss and mentor and 
O'Connor and he's like, yeah, okay, I'll handle this or I'll do this thing. It's like, you know what? That's nice. Maybe let someone else handle some of the minutia on <laughs> yeah. occasion. Yeah, I like, don't need to do everything. I don't yes. need to put this entire situation on my shoulders. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about some of, or like she'll, um, it's not quite a fade to black, but like she will literally pass out if something happens and it's like, oh, that's okay. That seems like a normal response to this situation. I, there's some really horrifying things that happen in this book and there's horrifying situations that she is put into to see that even the hardest people on earth would have problems with and i appreciate that because she's not a sociopath she has feelings and i appreciate that she is very strong and very professional and yet is emotionally and physically affected by these things that are happening around her because it's like yeah so um like when okay like like the when when they find the van that's full of uh, bodies that have been gassed and and you know burned with acid and poisoned like that's horrifying and disgusting and having her like vomit because of what's happening and having such a visceral reaction it, it made it even more powerful because yeah that's horrible that's 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 inhuman yeah. that's not what they were expecting to find either like and the, the yeah the the extent of it too it's all just <laughs> so vividly and wonderfully well described um okay so kind of dovetailing off of that with some of that horror imagery can we just talk about the hanged men we should say hanged men and hanged women and hanged children and <laughs> the crucified but they call them the hanged men yeah uh yeah the crucified fuck oh my god that is scary it is really frightening and it's it definitely taps into a um it, it taps into an imagery that is very effective for as it says yeah as is explained in the book yeah because it, it basically is it, it's kind of done by your own mind yes talk to me scott as a sci-fi person about how you felt about the concept of qtns i because that's where it straddles into a horror place it is and and the qtns is one of the things that is not explained incredibly well no um and they say like these are a mystery we know that it is this but the the what i the what i came out of this book with was that they were some sort of alien existence some sort of alien intelligence mm-hmm. and i and whether it was punishing or punishing humans or kind of what i got was actually researching them learning about them i agree cuz that's what i was thinking too and i think that that they were themselves a a, a fractal alien race yeah. that was um that was that, that drove humans crazy you know what it reminds me of is whatever is in bird box similar yes actually Where, you know like i <laughs> i'm a apologist for the creatures of bird box i always have been because i am still not convinced that they know what they're doing or that they are malevolently trying to destroy humanity and i think qtns might be kind of the same deal I have an interesting theory on QTNs as well. Okay, then I have another one to follow yours up. So all of these things that it that it created in in humans were a lot of things were actually based on religion, not yeah. all. And do you think that maybe the QTNs in their own intelligence way thought that they were giving humans what they wanted? Very possibly. Very possibly. Like like 
hey, we're going to basically give you heaven for the ones who like, you, you know, like that upside down dude here. You're an upside down dude. You know, they, they you know, they, they, they dissected the humans that were on their planet. Yeah. They, they researched and they found out what they, what made them tick and followed them back and then basically used their, used the humans collective yes. consciousness to give them what at least they view as being divinity. Right. Cause they said it does um like it, it kind of twists you into a pretzel if you're a buddhist and, and stuff too which i'm guessing it's supposed to be yeah. like it's like supposed to be like in lotus position or something yeah and if you but are it's like a up version yeah. <laughs> just like how the the hanged people are inverted they're they're upside down yes but they're they're crucified which is their image of divinity right and so i, I think that i definitely don't feel that that the qtns had a malicious intent yeah i i see it as more of either scientific or maybe even a, 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 a benevolence to them. So here's my other thing I wanted to follow up with. Having a hard time not picturing them as soot sprites from Spirited Away. <laughs> and I love a good soot sprite. They're probably not that cute, though. No, probably not. Um, let's talk a little bit about Kruger and his gang. Kruger Co. Heidel Kruger. Because... <sighs> They are bad people. <laughs> they are not good people. Uh, however, when you start to make the connection and then he blatantly comes out and tells you, yeah, they're trying to fix this because <laughs> it's, oh my gosh, the the hubris of man. It makes you see their story in this whole other light. Very complicated. It's complicated. And there is definitely a... Uh a a sociopathy that comes from knowing that hey okay if i i kill this person it's for a greater good but i i do all of this horrible stuff but there's an infinite number of other worlds where this person is still alive i'm not really killing that person it's not really a real thing right especially uh you know when you're looking at at these future events and knowing that that none of this is real all yeah. of this is created by this uh -huh. and everything will cease to exist as uh -huh. soon as things are are restored to the natural order. Yes. It, all the decisions that you make, all of the people that you hurt doesn't really mean anything. It It's not yeah. real. And like the fact that, you know, sometimes when they're interacting with people, it's really hard for the person they're interacting with to be like, okay, I basically just blinked into existence because you're here right now. I think I know. I think I have memories. I think I have all this stuff. But you kind of made me. It's like, oh, geez, that is a heavy concept. And yeah, and then you start to think about them trying to, the Kruger Co. trying to fix all this. And it's like, yeah, it, it gets into this really complicated right and wrong. Like, they should never have done the mutiny. Their captain was right. Like, but you can't you can't put the genie back in the bottle or can you well apparently you can <laughs> that's there, gonna take a lot <laughs> there, there are some things though that i am a little bit confused by what their ultimate goal was because obviously they 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 were the ones who instigated the mutiny because they didn't want to um sacrifice themselves Oh, originally. Originally. Yeah. But after all of that happened, right. I, I'm still a little bit confused on what their purpose was. They definitely wanted to prevent the Terminus from happening. Right. But would would then ending their lives then, once they realized what they had done, why would that have not 
fixed the issue. What That's where I'm confused. So they, they have this elaborate plan to basically kill off the people in this chain who eventually find the planet that they found yeah. and bring the Terminus back to Earth. Right. Because because they're alive and they created this future world where it would happen. Okay. And ultimately, her solution was to, you know, to do what the captain was always trying to do and destroy the ship and destroy them. Yeah. Why was it that that they could not have done that? That's where I'm a little bit confused. They were trying to it. do that. But why couldn't they just kill themselves? Because I, I think it wouldn't have mattered because that that wouldn't get enough of the chain. That would just be like taking like one piece out of the chain. Well, the chain were the chain wasn't directly related to them though. The chain was related to the people who ended up going back to the planet. I but I think that's where it kind of that's where the cyclical nature of it comes about. It's okay. Uh, I, I it's hard for me to verbalize, but I get it because just killing themselves isn't enough. It's like the whole thing had to be destroyed because like with Shannon, well, I mean, it's kind of skipping to the end, but she, you know, quote unquote dies, but she doesn't because she goes, we go quote unquote back. Because she herself was not real. She was an echo. Right. But she was also an echo of a person who was in a, was not from Terra Firma. Right. So we had to get rid of any chance of other echoes. Oh, oh, oh that's right. Think that's, because the ship, yes. the ship itself was the one that was causing all of these multiple echoes to exist. Yes. So the ship had to be destroyed and they couldn't do that because they were already existing in in the loop of the ship that was misfiring over and over again. I get it. Yeah, and I think that's why the ending was so important to show and to illustrate that point that um that even by Shannon destroying all of it, there was already enough in the history of human time that there would still be a Shannon. You know? Well, yeah, Terra yeah. she had already been born Terra when yeah. when Terra Firm during Terra Firma in 1985 yeah. when when that ship when when the libra left yeah and created the future uh she had already been born yeah she's already a teenager and so things were different uh things went differently because her best friend was not killed because yeah i mean it's, it's all very and, and you know it's funny because i think when we think about those multiverse scenarios of like well what if this happened or what if my life took that direction but we don't ever go back far enough and that's kind of what her story is showing is before before any of that, the idea that she's pregnant with her friend's brother's kid. And it's like, I think that's showing more of a, a scariness and of a permanence is it's not just what if I had made this choice six months ago or this one? It's like, oh, no, no. So much was already put in motion. You've got to go back a lot further than that. And and it's explained very well when it comes to like the lottery idea. Like, you know, she could she could sleep with her best friend's brother and in there's in in millions of different timelines yeah in in half of them she does get pregnant and half of them she doesn't yeah and all and that and that doesn't happen until it happens right the the idea that you could go back and you can go forward in time find out what the winning lottery numbers are go back bet on those numbers and different numbers will come up because it doesn't actually happen until it happens yeah is really 
really smart. It's a really beautiful way to take it out of any sort of predestination stuff. And it is it is beautiful. It is beautiful the chance of like this, that, and the other thing having cause and effect. Because like, you know, in this world, she probably, well, I mean, she wouldn't. She'd have no reason to ever meet Petal slash Shauna. Right. But she maybe would... Petal slash Shauna still turns out to be an FBI agent. She very well could. Uh, or she could, or, or she could never be born. Yeah. It's just like, huh, like it, it's, it's really beautiful, the randomness of nature, but it also is like freaking horrifying. <laughs> um, I loved the imagery of the Vardogger tree, especially when it's like repeating, repeating, repeating endlessly. That was really frightening to me. Oh, it's um, horrifying, but it, I could picture it so clearly. That was cool. Yeah, just repeating, folded over itself space time. Yes. So when it comes to the actual idea of of space time in this book, a lot of that is actually is actual theoretical physics. Sure. Uh, when it comes to the idea of um, you can't is that you could never go back in time. You could theoretically go forward in time. Right. And but the uh, but the specific idea of the future also not existing. Right. But being able to travel to possible infinite futures is fascinating. Right. And kind of like the the way that it, it's uh, it's a lot like Minority Report, right? Where it's like it opens up this idea of so many things could change. But like we can go to the future to find out the end result of a crime or, you know, and, and, and so then we could go back and charge somebody. But it's like the evidence has to be so sound because if one little thing was off, they might not have ever actually committed that crime. And the whole legal idea of being charged for a pre-crime and kind of not really actually being able to unless you're caught in the act of doing it. Like you can get kind of a warrant to watch them, but you can't, um, but you can't, you can't charge them with a crime they haven't yet committed. Right. But sometimes you kind of can. I don't know. It's so weird. Like it's. And you can't use evidence from the future to build a case. You can only use the information that you've gleaned in the future to find the evidence you need to build a case in the present. Yeah. Very complicated. It is. I'm glad I'm not a lawyer in this world. (laughs) I love it too. Like when you hop ahead and she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I know that. And she's hopped around so much. And she's like older than her mom at this point. And it's like, it's so weird. And then she's like, oh, like she's kind of like tests the limits of, do we have that technology here in this future? Nope. Okay, we don't. Never mind. Or we have something better. Oh, this is cool. Like stuff where you can, I don't, what's the name for it? Where it's like you, you pull computer screens out of thin air, basically. Oh, they called it ambience. Yeah. Which was a neat technology. What, what, do you, what else? Holograms. Do you, holograms. Yeah. Kind of a three dimensional. Nanotech. But it's like where you're moving your hands about to make things change. <laughs> to like turn pages. Hologram. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's alternate reality holograms. Yeah. It was a neat technology idea. I I really appreciate in this book that the the ethics that are explored in this book are about the ethics of interacting with a non-existent future more yeah. than it is about the ethics of being able to travel to it. Does that make sense? Yes, like, and, and when you say ethics, I think of that in a really broad term. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not it's not morality. It is ethics. And in my opinion, because 
you know, this book could have gone in a different direction where it really explored is, hey, is what they're doing as far as going into the future and learning about things that have happened now, is that okay? It's like that, they seem to have their stuff pretty much together when it comes to the laws and building cases yes. and, 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 you know, Jeopardy and all that kind of stuff. They have that together. And so that's not really what's important. What's more important is, okay, if you go to this future that will not exist when you leave, mm -hmm. is the way that you, you know, the choices that you make to people in that future, is it really just morality free? Is it really just okay to just... Well, like the Kruger Co. does. Exactly. Um, see, and when you said morality and ethics and those things, and I think of it in like in a microcosm and a macrocosm way, like obviously there's the Kruger Co. way of like, you know, murder, torture, all what any means necessary to get the job done. And then there's also like, you know, there's that possibility where she goes and she's with Nestor. And then like another time he's married and she sees the ring and she's like i feel a pang of jealousy even though i have no right to and it's like yes because on just even her own human emotional level she's like i have a future possibility where i really love this dude and he loves me and we have this wonderful quality time together and then it's like so then if you go to another future where he's married to someone else do you have a right to be jealous do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird, right? Is Because it's like you're mourning something that never happened, but it did happen because it happened to you. But who are you anyway? Oh, humanity thinking it's so precious. I love a lot of that. I don't even want to say nihilistic viewpoint, but kind of like this concept of like, we think our existence is just so guaranteed. Oh, yeah. And, and everybody except for Kruger Co., for obvious reasons, they are completely different people every time she goes forward. Yeah. I mean, they have the same base from where she started, but they've turned into different people. They have different motivations. They have different beliefs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they and in, you know, in one future where they may be good and another future, they are kind of the worst. Yeah. They're like racist and like awful. And, yeah. um, you know, what's interesting as another kind of pawn in all of this is Cole, Nicole. Yes. She's a great tool to illustrate so much in this story and how complicated she is and the stuff she remembers and carries. She's like a more sympathetic, compassionate way to look at Kruger Co. Yeah. Well, because it's not her fault. Oh, well, yeah, she says. Yes. Um, it's it's not her fault. She, she was kind of the one person on that ship who was a little bit of a bystander. Yeah. And which is and I found it interesting in the first future that she goes to where where Nicole is just kind of like written all of that stuff off for the most part. Yeah. Like she's kind of drinking it away and trying to ignore that it ever happened. Right. And in another future, she's directly involved with it. Right. And like the fact that I mean, she she makes Shannon like she she makes her. She's like, yeah, I know. I know all about you because I, I remember all that stuff and like where I'm from. It it's relates to the concept of echoes a whole lot. And you and I love the um, struggle of AI to be human and what it means to be human and to be alive. And the echoes are a really cool spinoff of that question. What makes something alive? What may, And what makes, exactly, what gives someone a soul? What is... 
what is existence? What is existence? What, what like if you believed one like they put in there too like people are having all these crazy faith conversations in instances where they know about this stuff because it's like so does your soul just like is it tethered to your body and no matter what timeline you're in is it there are souls not real like how can it how can the soul be everywhere yeah it it makes you think of all those kind of like trippy questions there's an infinite number of you's yeah are there an infinite number of your souls is it one soul attached to all of them or is there no soul at all there's no soul there's no god there's or can you somehow like if this stuff that seems fantastical be true then can other fantastical miraculous things be true um yeah really cool just a really freaking cool book it is a very cool book and this is one that i want to read again because oh i wanted to read it immediately after closing it i'm sorry to cut you off but i did do that actually i didn't read the whole book over but as soon as i finished it i read the first chapter again yeah i i yeah the first chapter i might actually read again today uh there's a lot of stuff in there that I still haven't quite wrapped my head around that I really want to. Yeah. It's one of the, probably the biggest, biggest, uh, one of the biggest positives I can say about the book is that there's so much in there that I felt satisfied with what I read, but still want to dig in again and, yeah. you know, get the rest of that, that, that cream filling out of there. I am excited to read other stuff that Tom Tom Sweaterlich writes because he's the real deal. I think he's the real deal. I think he's the real deal. Yeah, I loved it. I love this book. It makes my head hurt from thinking too hard, but it's it's a wonderful place to be. And books like this, like, you know, we love all different kinds of books, but when things are like this, it's such a love letter to the reader. It's kind of like how The Lodge, the movie we were talking about in the spoiler-free section, Like, that's like a love letter to horror fans, in my opinion. And this book is like a love letter to readers of like, I trust you, I believe in you to challenge yourself and think big thoughts and interpret things. It's really, it's really quite sweet. (laughs) Question your existence. (laughs) Are we human or are we dancer? (laughs) Well, anyway. Echoes? Echoes, though. How many echoes? So for me, for Sandra, I am going to give The Gone World four echoes out of five. Um, I can't immediately think of things I would change about this novel. Um, I value my experience deeply. Um, It didn't quite resonate me to that point where I give stuff like a five out of five or a 10 out of 10, but it came so close and I loved it. The book and the story is beloved to me and I will definitely be recommending to people to read this book. I'm giving this five echoes out of five. Uh, And the main reason why is because I am a sucker for a book that makes me think, particularly when it comes to physics and time, that leaves me after after finishing the book with thoughts on the on on the way that that the world exists that I've never had before that I'm really just having to sit on and mull over. Yes. This book definitely has a series of 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 laws and rules that it follows. Yeah. And I don't I haven't seen any that work quite like this and I also I also don't understand it completely yet. And in some cases, that's a bad thing. In this case, I I have to celebrate that. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I have been Sandra. And I have been Scott. 
I I am no longer. It's echo. It's like an echo thing. I'm a Scott anyway. I don't know. I don't know which which version I am. I don't know if I'm from terra firma or some. I'm hoping this is terra firma. Sometimes the state of the presidency makes me question, but I think I'm pretty sure this is terra firma. Well, the good thing is, is that we will never know. (laughs) My God, that's it. Exactly. Well said, well said. All right, everybody, thank you for joining us. Please keep reading past your bedtime. Mm-hmm.